Resurrection begins in the dark, in the pitch black of a tomb. Carved into the rock, his dear broken body as cold as the stone on which he lay. There was no one there to witness the moment. Was it sudden? A flash of light and a new creation? Was it gradual? His side mending, the nail holes closing, his heart giving one thump, then another thump, 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 thump. He takes a new first breath and fills his lungs with the breath of resurrected life. Did he open his eyes in the dark? Did he remember right away, or did it take a moment, waking up in an unfamiliar room? Were the angels there to see it? Or did he wake alone in the dark, the light of the world? Did he stand and stretch? Did he sing a psalm? Did he shout, Alleluia, into the darkness and silence of that tomb? Did the stone that had shut him in cry out, glory? Resurrection begins in the dark. Resurrection begins in confusion. While it was still dark, Mary Magdalene and the other women walked together to the tomb, their spices in hand. The beloved broken body needs tending. Like Pastor Steph, I imagine the stillness of the morning. The damp of dawn, the bird song, the rustling leaves, their rustling skirts, and perhaps their wails of grief. They are ready to perform this last act of loving and mourning. They expect a beloved broken body. And instead they find nonsense. The stone is gone. How? The guards have fallen over. What? The cloths. Who would take a body and leave the grave cloths? much less fold them. It made no sense. And without a body, there was no way to give him a dignified death, its own sort of tragedy. They look around perplexed and with growing horror. Where is his body? Who could have done such a thing? How do we get his body back? Mary Magdalene, this leader among the female disciples, does the only thing she can think of. She runs. She runs straight to Peter and the beloved disciple. We think of him as John. They've taken him, and we don't know where. Now they're running too. John in the lead, Peter huffing and puffing behind, poor Mary Magdalene forgotten, trailing behind in her heavy skirts. They too look. They see. The beloved disciple believes something, a bit of light beginning to glimmer in his heart, even in the darkness of that tomb. But he says nothing. They see. They leave. It makes no sense. Resurrection begins in confusion. Resurrection begins in grief. Perhaps that's why Peter and John leave, abandoning Mary Magdalene to her tears. Perhaps something in their hearts is too tired to try. Even John, with his bit of belief, is still in the shock and the grief and the horror of the Friday they do not yet name good. All they can do is go back home and collapse.
but Mary stands outside the tomb, alone, abandoned, out of ideas, and she weeps, and she weeps, and she weeps, and she weeps. After all the trauma, after the loss, denied even the chance for one more act of love, grief upon grief. I imagine her weeping so hard she can barely stand, and she leans against the tomb, lets her tears fall on the cold stone, and through her tears, like Peter and John, she gazes again into the darkness of that empty tomb. But something's different this time. Angels, messengers of God, dressed in white, not clothes of mourning. It's the clothing of a new day. She's in enough distress that their presence barely registers. Usually the angels have to say, don't be afraid. Here they say, woman, why are you weeping? They've taken him away. What a violation. I don't know where they put him. I don't know what to do or who to turn to now. I'm alone and there's nothing I can do. He is gone. He's gone. He's gone. The resurrection begins in grief. She hears something or catches something out of the corner of her eyes and she turns away from the dark tomb toward the dawn of the new day. Perhaps her eyes are blurred by her tears. Perhaps she had looked so long into the gloom that as she turns, her eyes are blinded by the light. Perhaps she doesn't recognize him because she's still looking for a corpse. But it's a living, breathing man in front of her. Her best guess, the gardener. Who else, after all, would be wandering a graveyard at the dawn of a new day? For a second time, she hears this question, woman, why are you crying? But also something more, who is it that you seek? The resurrection begins with a question, with this question, who is it that you seek? What are you looking for? She casts no blame. She just wants his body back. If it was you, just tell me and I'll take care of it. I don't care whose fault it is. Just I want the body of my Lord back. That's the last way I can care for him. He healed me of demons. He taught me. He loved me. He treated me with dignity I didn't know existed. And he's gone. Just let me have his body back. Who do you seek? The body of my Lord. That's it. That's the best I can hope for. A bit of closure. He's dead. He's gone. Just give me his body. Into that moment of deepest grief, where Mary feels no hope, no expectation for more than finding a missing, broken, beloved body. In that moment, the power of the resurrection breaks through in a single word. Mary. The sheep know their master's voice when he calls them by name. Jesus names her, and her eyes are opened. He names her, and she believes. He names her, and she sees. He names her, and Mary finds herself basking in the light of a brand new day. My teacher, she names him too. In a single moment, her world has shifted on its axis. And she stumbles in the wake of that and falls at his feet in awe, in worship, in joy, in shock. He's here. 
He's alive. She had looked for a broken, beloved body and been found instead by the risen, embodied Lord. Alleluia! Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia! Alleluia! Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia! This is the point where we expect a big party. A long celebration like Lazarus must have had. A feast even. If I were Mary, I would have feared if I'd let him out of my sight for even a second, he'd disappear again. But Jesus says, don't cling to me. I'm not around for long. We've got a lot to do. My time is short, and I've got a job for you. Go tell my brothers. After all that, Mary gets only a moment, but it's a glorious moment. And Jesus bestows on her the dignity of relationship again and a new vocation, as Thomas Aquinas put it, to be the apostle to the apostles. I am amazed that Mary doesn't hesitate or argue a bit. Lord, you know Jewish men don't exactly respect the testimony of Jewish women like me, right? But she trusts him right away. She goes. She obeys. She risks the pain of being misbelieved because she herself believes truly. Jesus appears later to his male disciples too. But you know what? Peter and John had been right there. He could have shown up to them too. Instead, he chose Mary Magdalene. He came and found her. In the darkness, the confusion, the grief, the questions, Jesus comes and finds her and speaks her name and gives her the privilege of being the very first preacher of the resurrection. So with Mary, I proclaim today, Alleluia! Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia! Even then, as Mary runs to tell the good news, the grief is not fully gone. They had all witnessed something horrible in that crucifixion. And their bodies carried it with them, even as they proclaimed good news. After all, Jesus isn't staying. She has to leave him again. For Mary and Peter and John and all the others, their relationship with Jesus will never again be what it was. I imagine there were still moments of grief about that, even in the joy of the new day. That next Passover, when Jesus wasn't there, even with the joy and the knowledge of the true and utter victory of God in Jesus Christ, our Lord, as human beings, I am sure they missed him. I wish Jesus was here. Remember when he said that? As the resurrection and their new vocations began to cost them something, as their family members began to misunderstand and even cast them out, as they began to become martyrs, I have to believe there were still a few moments when they wished in their humanness that it could have all happened another way. For there's no way around it. Resurrection begins with death. Some things die and are not reborn. Some things need to die, like our sins and the principalities and powers of this world and death itself. Some things will only know the power of the resurrection when the Lord returns to judge the living and the dead, when his kingdom truly has no end. I am grateful this year 
that John is so honest about the messiness of the resurrection. That resurrection begins in the dark. For I very much feel the presence of death all around me. My body groans under the weight of it. I am weary of hard things. Perhaps you too came today, dreading trying to feel joy, or perhaps with low expectations like Mary. Perhaps you too are weighed down with grief and disappointed, disappointment, hungry for hope. Perhaps you feel like John today, with a bit of quiet faith, but a lot of tiredness. Perhaps you've had experiences like Peter, where you're eager to rush in, but you just missed encountering the risen Christ, or so it feels. I suspect the truth is that today, as one commentator puts it, we are all, like Mary, somewhere between grief and joy, somewhere between despair and faith. Well, wherever you, wherever you are at today, hear this truth. Nothing can cancel out the power of the resurrection. Nothing can render it irrelevant or null and void. Not darkness, not confusion, not grief, not doubt, neither height nor depth nor any other created thing nor death itself can thwart the power of the resurrection in our lives and in our world. Christ is alive. As in Adam all die, in Christ all who belong to him will be made alive in our bodies, in all their glorious shapes and sizes and colors. You see, the resurrection is not just something we read about and remember today. The risen Christ is here. He's here. He knows you by name. He calls your name out of the darkness into the light of the new day. In his nail-scarred hands, he holds out to you the power of his resurrection, a sharing in his sufferings, a dying with him that we might rise with him in glory. No grief no darkness, no loss we experience can hold a candle to the power and love of the resurrected Lord. Christ is alive. Alleluia. You see, the resurrection begins with a question, but the resurrection is not a question mark. It is a sure and certain truth. It is a fact we can hang our hat on, the bedrock we place our feet on, a hope that is as sure as the sunrise and that spring will come again. Today in our worship, we proclaim again that the power of the resurrection is breaking forth. The Lord is making all things new. In all the broken places, in all our grief, our despair, the places where we're angry, the places where we don't understand, the places where we struggle, where we've given up, the places where we sin. The risen Christ stands among us, calling our name, shattering the darkness with the light of the world. The resurrection begins in the dark, but it blooms into the light of a glorious day. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.